the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. The Bible talks to us a lot about our hearts. All throughout the pages of Scripture, we find various references to heart. And as we go through this series today and in the weeks to come, weekends to come, we will be looking at Scriptures related to how our hearts need to be formed if God's going to bless our lives and God's going to use us. And I believe that all of you want to be blessed by God and all of you want to be used by God. And perhaps one of the greatest places to study, or the greatest persons to study when it comes uh, to the heart, other than obviously our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is a, a man of the Old Testament that most of us are familiar with, at least at some level, and his name is David. David was known as a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible is. Actually, God refers to him as a man after my own heart. And so if David was a man after God's own heart, And although David was not perfect, he had a heart toward God, then there's some things that we can learn from David's life that are valuable for you and me. Now, to understand David's life, I need to give you a little bit of history so you'll get a picture, a perspective of how David even comes on the scene biblically. Israel had asked for a king, and they'd gone to Samuel the prophet because they'd never had a king before. They'd been led by spiritual leaders and priests and so forth. And so they finally say, we want to be like all the other nations. Can we have a king like everybody else? And so Samuel says, well, Samuel goes to God, and God says, well, if you want to get a king, give him a king. And, and Saul, a man by the name of Saul, was appointed as the first king of Israel. And the Bible says of Saul that he was very humble when he first began, but over time, Things went to his head, and he began to be very uh, lacking diligence in his relationship with God. Actually, he became very rebellious and disobedient to God. And finally, God says, I'm fed up with you. I've given you many opportunities. But in essence, God says, I'm done with you. You'll continue on as, as a king for a while, but I'm going to raise up someone to take your place. And so he speaks. God speaks to Samuel and tells Samuel to go down to Bethlehem. We all know Bethlehem, do we not, right? birthplace of our Savior. And so Samuel the prophet goes to Bethlehem and God says, I want you to go to the house of a man by the name of Jesse because Jesse has sons and out of his sons, I'm going to choose who will be the next king of Israel. There's one of Jesse's sons that has the right stuff, has what I'm looking for to become Israel's next king. He's the one that is to be chosen And he's chosen for a reason. I'm going to pull him out of that family and ultimately bring him into leadership over all of Israel because my hand has been taken from Saul and now I'm going to move toward the establishment of the second king. Now with that being said, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse, verse number one and let's see the story as it unfolds. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? 
since I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen. Say that phrase with me. I have chosen. Let's say it again. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So there's one of the sons I have chosen, God says, to be king. And so Samuel goes to Bethlehem and he arrives at the household of of Jesse and uh, Jesse says, Jesse, call of your sons together. And Jesse has eight sons, but he only calls seven of them together. He assumes that the last one who is the youngest is not needed for this event. And so he makes a decision to leave one out in the field and to bring all the other seven to Samuel because now this is the moment that Samuel is going to go through these sons and determine who's chosen to be the king. So verse 6 says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Eliab was the oldest. He was one that sort of looked like a king. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But as we'll see in just a moment, God said, no, he's, he's not the guy. He's not the one. And so now we go on down through the line of these seven. Verses 8 through 11, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Each of these seven sons, again, there are eight, but only seven present. As they passed before Samuel, none of them were the chosen one. Not a single one of them. Why not? Because the Lord was looking for something that could not be seen with natural eyes. The Lord was looking for something that only he can see. And the Lord made it very clear to Samuel what he was looking for. If you go back up to verse number 7, after he's rejected Eliab, God makes clear to Samuel what he's looking for. I would submit to you this morning that what God was looking for in that moment in history, God is still looking for today. Still looking for today. This is what attracts God's attention. Notice verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance as Eliab, nor his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. Read the rest with me. But the Lord looks at the heart. But the Lord looks at the heart. God was looking for someone who had the right heart. He was looking for someone that didn't necessarily look like a king externally because man looks on the outward appearance. But God says, there's, there's someone in this family who has the thing I'm looking for. There's someone in this family who has the characteristic that nobody can see on the outside, but, but I, I can see it on the inside. I, I can look down past what is external and see what's really, really there because God has x-ray vision. 
He has the ability to see inside as we do not. And so God was looking for someone who had the right heart because the heart matters to God. Your heart matters to God. Now, I'm not talking about your physical heart here today. We all understand the importance of physical heart health. And I will digress for a moment since we are into a new year. If you haven't had a physical uh, checkup exam recently, go get the doctor to check your heart. You never know what's going on inside that little ticker. And so it's good to get your heart checks. Great always in the beginning of a new year to have a good physical exam. But I'm not talking about, I'm not a physical doctor, okay? I'm talking about a different kind of heart. And God is referring here to a different kind of heart. Is something that is different than the external or the physical body. It's the heart that is in you, your spirit, your soul, your inner being. Why your heart is so important to God and what what we can do to start this process of having the right heart. The first thing that we must understand is that the heart is so important because your heart is is the real you. It's the real you. When the Bible refers to someone's heart, it's talking about the real person. It's what's underneath all the externals of your life, the externals of your appearance, and even the externals of your personality. You know that you can form a personality that's not even the real you. You can form a personality just to be liked or accepted by people, and it may not even be who you really are, but oftentimes we put on facades, we put on a certain aspect of life, and it's not really the real us, but they're the externals of how we present ourselves to the world, and that's not your heart. Your heart is something that is not external. Your heart is the real you. It is internal, and it's quite easy for us to misread or to misinterpret somebody's heart. Have you ever misread someone's heart before? You thought you knew who they really were, but you found out later you really didn't know who they really were, either good or bad. Sometimes people can look really good on the outside and be really bad on the inside. They can do all the nice things externally, but something's not right inside. You and I can't see it, but God can. And so we can look really good externally, and God says, no, I look past all of that facade. I look past all even the the religious activity that you do and the religious stuff that you know, and I'm able to see what's really going on down inside of the real you. This was the issue with the Pharisees, Jesus and the Pharisees. Because externally, the Pharisees were, were very religious people. They did all the right things. They followed the rules. They prayed. They fasted. They did all these kind of things that you would expect a spiritual person to do. But nevertheless, on the inside, they had no personal real relationship with God. They were Pharisees. They were self-righteous. Jesus had a number of confrontations with the Pharisees. I don't have time this morning to walk you through all the confrontations that Jesus had with the Pharisees. But Jesus was very straightforward with them. Let me give you a couple of examples. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, he said, you brood of vipers. That's a good way to start a conversation, is it not? (laughs) You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So he looks past the externals and says, I see what's really going on inside of you. Luke 16, verse 15, again, he said to them, to the Pharisees, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value value highly is detestable in God's sight. So you can look at someone at times and think, hey, they really got it all together. They're really spiritual. But God looks at the heart. 
And sometimes you can look at people and you can ascribe to them evil when there's good there. You can misjudge them. You can ascribe something to their heart that's not really in their heart. The Pharisees, just as Jesus saw the heart of the Pharisees, often the Pharisees tried to accuse Jesus of being evil when Jesus was good. They didn't know his heart. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 25, we see an example of this. Then they brought him, brought Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be Messiah? Could this be the one that comes from the line of David that is our Savior? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. See, they were ascribing evil to good. You can ascribe good to evil, and you can ascribe evil to good. Jesus knew their thoughts. Their thoughts reveal their hearts. Only God knows our hearts. Only God knows who we really are on the inside. Only God knows the real you. Let me take this one step further, and then we'll move on to our other points today. In the early church, after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, and they're waiting for the day of Pentecost when the church will be initiated and started. They're now only 11 apostles because one of the apostles, Judas, has now obviously by his betrayal and by his response to selling Jesus uh, for 30 pieces of silver, he goes out in his remorse and he commits suicide. And there's only 11 apostles left. And so the, the, the apostles come together and say, we need to replace Judas and we need to find someone that'll be another bear, bear witness to, to Jesus again as a part of our group. And so who are we going to choose? And finally, there were two people that were brought to their attention and they had to make a choice between two people to take that 12th place in place of Judas again. I want you to notice what was most important to the apostles when they chose that person to take Judas's place It's described in Acts chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Remember, they're looking at two people. They've got to choose only one. There's only one slot available, and so they've got to choose the right one. What's important to them? Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belonged. So what? was the most important thing in the mind and the, and the prayer process and the selection process of the apostles when they were choosing a replacement for Judas. They, they wanted God to reveal the one who had the right heart. The right heart. Why? Because Judas obviously didn't. And so if they're going to replace Judas, they need to make sure someone that comes on the team has the right heart. Your heart is the real you. Here's the second reason. Everybody still with me so far today? Here's a second reason in 2023 and as you begin this year and into your future why your heart is so important. It's because your heart directs your life. The real you on the inside, not the external stuff, but the real you, your heart directs your life. So your heart right now, whether you realize it or not, that inner portion, that real you on the inside, in your soul, it's directing, it's setting the direction of your life. And if it's setting the direction of your life, it's setting the destiny of your life. You will end up where your heart takes you. Let me say that again. That's worth writing down. I might even write it down myself. I've never heard myself say that before. Your heart's taking you somewhere. You'll end up where your heart takes you. And the Bible's very clear about this. Notice Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all else, 
And when it says above all else, that's pretty important, right? Above all else, do what? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Do you see that in Scripture? Everything you do flows from where? From your inner being, from the real you. Jesus speaks of this in Luke 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So your heart, whether you realize it or not, that inner being, your real you, is a container. It has storage capacity. It's like a hard drive has storage capacity. Your heart has storage capacity. In your heart, you're storing right now your values. You're storing your priorities. You're storing your life experiences, the stuff that you've gone through that have affected you over time. Those are all stored inside of that memory bank of your heart. You're storing inside of you your allegiances, your affections, what you're in love with. You're storing in your heart the commitments of your life. You're storing in your heart your patterns of thinking, the way you've come to think about life, about God, about yourself, about others, about life in general. All that, where is it? It's stored in your, your heart. That's why your heart directs your life, because your heart contains your values and all these things I just described. And so you live your life out of your heart. Whatever is stored in your heart is what is driving you. It is what directs your life. That is why it is so important. And that's why as we begin 2023... Do you want to be blessed in 2023? That's actually a question. Would you just, do you? Okay. Do you want to be blessed in 2023? Do you want to be blessed in the years to come? Do you want to be a person that attracts God's attention in a positive way this year? Do you want that? Okay. Well, what's going to put you on that pathway? What's going on where? Not in your head or not in the externals of your life. Not in the job that you get or the money that you accrue this year or the, or the external opportunities that come your way. That has very little to do with what life becomes for you. But where you end up this year and in the years to come will be determined by your heart. That's why on this first weekend of 2023, it's important that we do a heart check. Amen? Amen. Because your heart's going to take you somewhere this year. And if your heart isn't what it needs to be, it's time to get it where it needs to be so you can get where you need to be this year. Amen? I'm preaching to somebody this morning, okay? I'm preaching to all of us this morning, right? So we need to do a little bit of checking because here's my third point. Your heart has a current condition right now. If you were to go to a cardiologist and ask them for a checkup, we may have some cardiologists in the room today. When they do a workup on your heart, they do a number of different things. Obviously, they check your blood pressure and see how your blood pressure is. They will often do an echocardiogram to take a look at what's going on in your heart, how it's beating, and they will listen to your heart. They'll give you an EKG. Some cases, they will give you a treadmill test or a more, more extensive kind of test that they'll give you to try to determine are there any blockages, any concerns with your heart. They have a system for checking your heart out. Okay. Because at the end of it all, they're going to say, you've got a problem or everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Or you need to make these adjustments in your life so you won't get a problem because you're heading toward a problem. So cardiologists know how to, how to help us to understand what's going on with our physical heart. Well, similarly, we need to have a spiritual checkup with our spiritual heart. So I'm going to give you some, some problem issues, some problem areas of your heart that you need to be aware of, we need to be aware of, so that we can see, hey, how am I doing? Okay, 
Because your heart has a current condition right now. Your heart spiritually is either well or it's sick or somewhere in between. Your spiritual heart is either strong or weak or somewhere in between. Your spiritual heart is either pure or impure or somewhere in between. Your heart is either committed or not committed or somewhere in between. But you have a, we have a, we have a condition of our spiritual heart right now. As you sit there today, your heart is in a certain condition. Whatever your condition is today, here's the good news. Your heart can be reconditioned by God. Come on, I think we ought to give God praise for that today. Some of the most amazing promises in, the, in, in Scripture describe what God can do and what God will do with people's hearts. God is the great cardiologist. Okay? But here's the beautiful thing about God as a cardiologist. He doesn't just diagnose your problem. He cures your problem, okay? He's able to cure whatever is going on in your heart. And I'm going to share with you as I wrap up today some things that Jesus wants to do in your heart today and into 2023 that will help set the course of your life. Number one, Jesus wants to clean your heart up. He wants to clean your heart right now. And he's the one that can do it. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad you and I have a savior who's able to come into the dirty part? of our heart and to completely cleanse it, wash us and cleanse us from not just a little bit of unrighteousness, but the Bible says not just a part of unrighteousness, but from all unrighteousness. That's hope right there, is it not? You know what Jesus is able to do for you today? He's able to actually give you a new heart. There's some of you here today that you've never invited Jesus into your life. You don't know what it is to have Jesus inside of you. But I promise you that when you ask Jesus into your life, the Bible says something happens. It's called being born again. That's what Nicodemus couldn't understand in John chapter 3. How does this born again thing happen? And Jesus explains to him that when you receive the Spirit of God, you're born into God's kingdom. You're born again. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That when you're born into the family of God, God does a heart transplant for you. He gives you a heart like his heart. Now you have to learn to walk in it and you have to grow in it, but it's a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So Jesus can cleanse your heart. Jesus can give you a new heart if you need a new heart. Jesus can revive and refresh your heart. I'm glad that Jesus is able to bring us back alive again. You've watched television programs like that, the dramas that happen, the medical dramas, and they roll somebody in who's had a heart attack into the emergency room, and everybody's saying stat, stat, and all this kind of stuff. They get them into the room, and, and so they, somebody says, get the paddles, get the paddles, and so they get the paddles out, and they rub it together with whatever that stuff is that they put on the paddles, and they say, clear! <laughs> and they zap them, and boom, the flat line turns into doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. Why? Because 
It has the ability to bring a non-beating heart back to life again. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has some amazing spiritual paddles, okay? That he's able to apply to your heart. And if you feel a little dead on the inside or totally dead on the inside today, he's able to apply those paddles to your heart. And suddenly what wasn't beating can start beating again. Amen? Okay. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.